can I just mention that that intro just gets as, about as good every <laughs> single time I play it? It's Thank so you. chill, it's so vibe, it's so vibey, and I'm just like, I needed to hear that, especially what's going on in the world right now. But yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. <laughs> by the way, that, that was done by Cameron. Uh, Cameron's joining me today on episode 16 of The Water Cooler. Uh, how you doing, Cameron? I'm good, Marley. How you doing? Oh, I'm I'm good. Just in there surviving. Just yep. trying to make it through these final days. So, <laughs> well, not the final days, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just feels like I don't. Since... I don't think we'll have a decision on Tuesday. You know, I think it'll take a while. There. That's what I'm hearing. Is it's going to take a while to count some of these votes. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I hear too. Uh, which has me make has me a little bit more nervous because you'll have both parties. Well, well, one of the parties to kind of saying that he won before, and then I don't know. It's I just had a lot of anxiety. <laughs> I wanted to record this a while back, like a couple of days ago. It's just I wasn't in the mood, and just like I just need to get my head straight. But but yeah. Uh, Hopefully everyone stays safe on November third. Get out and vote, and uh, yeah, I voted. Uh, it felt good. Yeah, it felt good. Like a week ago, I walked to the drop uh, the mail in ballot box or whatever. The drop box, like it's yeah, or at a at a uh, library. Yeah, uh, I think like this is definitely like I voted in pretty much every sing- single election since I, since I turned eighteen, and this is like the one where. It was so hard to vote, especially like on the propositions, just because I wanted to like fix everything like so bad. It's like, but I know that I just had to get through my head to like, I know it's not all going to get fixed in one day. Yeah, but exactly. It's definitely the most important election that I've ever voted in. <laughs> but yeah, I agree but with yeah. that. But yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, hopefully we don't end. Uh, hopefully a civil war doesn't start or anything like that. It's just I'm sure that won't happen. But there's a lot of um, unrest between uh, both parties or both supporting parties. You know. Yeah. Well, I, before we started recording, like I saw like a little news uh, blurb about uh, Joe Biden's like bus. Like in I think it was in Michigan. Yeah, I saw like, that. It's supposed some Mad Max. It's shit. supposed. Yeah, like freaking, that was crazy. They they're like rocking the bus and just like it's, uh, they wouldn't let him out and they're like chanting. I'm like, oh my god, what world? Oh, did have you we come did you to? see the video of the highway of the the all the Trump supporters in their trucks that were like surrounding the bus on the highway? I didn't see video of it. I just heard what was going on and I was just like, this is insane. There was there so was like a video? yeah I'll, I'll have to send it to you after this or or see if I could find it during um, there was like a ten second clip and of uh, uh, someone from behind it all checking it out I'm going to mute that um, so there was like a Biden Harris bus right and they were going to a, a rally or something and all of a sudden these uh, Trump supporters and their big ass trucks like started to surround it like fucking mad max you know oh my god and it was and it was sir it was unreal they didn't like 
like push it off the road or anything, but it was just like, yeah, they're definitely trying to uh, agitate it. You know, yeah. they're, they, uh, it was weird. after it's Trump supporters. I don't want to like hate on anyone. It's just, I just want to know like someone's like mindset of just wanting of acting like that. It's like, I, I don't think in a million years, like, 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 I think this is like the first election where people can get like, are getting like this aggressive. Like, I can't even imagine like when it was Obama and Romney, I can't even imagine like people getting like this, like around Obama or even Mitt Romney. It was just like, I think it's it, because it's, Trump is not a typical politician, mm-hmm. you know, and people look at him like, you know, uh, because there's so many um, Republicans uh, or Republican voters, I should say, that are anti-establishment, mm-hmm. you know, anti-government. And they see Trump and, well, he's a businessman. He's not a politician, you know, and they sort of put um, economy on the forefront of their uh, agenda. Mm-hmm. So on, on top of that, you know, it's just like own the libs and haha, you know, make the libs angry kind of a thing. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, I was talking to my sister-in-law about this where we, uh, I don't know. It's just, it seems like about like a few years ago, people were more like in the middle they were more centrist and now it's just like extreme left or extreme right. Yeah. Pretty, pretty people are pretty polarized. Yeah. It feels like maybe social media has like, has probably influenced in that just because you have, you have people like, uh, what's his name? The right wing guy that's on, uh, no, he's, he has that, he had that YouTube show and it will, I think he got banned from YouTube for, saying like the frogs were gay or something like oh, that. Oh, Alex Jones. I forget his name. Alex Jones. Yeah, like you have <laughs> the, you have the Alex Jones of the world and <laughs> I, I like that's how the only thing that I remember him by is saying that you know he what's said <laughs> wild about about Alex Jones and even more concerning uh Tucker Carl, Carlson mm-hmm. is that they've had to state in the past that they're only playing a character and that their show is purely satire so that they can get around um, the government coming down on them, you know, mm-hmm. like the so they can just say, Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, well we're just, you know, playing a character and we're just saying things, you know, that is fictional, but they're portraying it as if it's a real newscast. Right. You know, so just because they say that to get out of the legalities of it doesn't mean people are actually, you know, Mm -hmm. um, eating this or consuming it and and food for thought for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. Like Stephen Colbert, actually, like he made like a career off that, like saying that he was playing a character of like this right wing guy. But that was actually satire. And yeah, that was real satire. Yeah. Uh, it's just, that's a little disconcerting that, that Alex Jones had to do that. And just like, I don't know. I've never watched a show once, but I just seen like clips here and there. But. They're, they're, it's pretty, it's pretty hilarious. You know, um, mm-hmm. I watched him on the Joe Rogan show and oh my God, <laughs> he, the, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he, uh, 
is pretending maybe he is maybe he's just coming up with things in his head and, and that he's like convincing himself or that he perhaps he's playing a character he's so into his character that it's who he is you know mm-hmm. it's no longer a character or fictional character it's rather a it's him you know it's a real person yeah like but like speaking of like joe rogan and like fictional characters like people that like i don't know what's going on in their head like did you listen to that kanye I got I got about a half hour through it and it was in the middle of the night and I couldn't stay up and I hadn't finished it since and uh, I keep uh, punching myself is, for not doing it. Is it because well you you were obviously tired but is it yeah, because like, Kanye wasn't making any sense throughout that entire interview? I thought I listened to all three hours and like I, I don't I I really hope he gets help just because. Like, he would know. go on so many tangents that just wouldn't make any sense. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, per se, you know, or, or in particular. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of tired of hearing the narrative that um, Kanye needs help because, I mean, maybe he does. But, like, that's just who he is and who he's been, you know. And um, I don't know if that's going to change, but he seems pretty calm to me on on the show but also it was kind of curated for that you know it's not like joe was attacking him or his uh principles yeah that's what i like i appreciated about joe and like and what i appreciate joe like pretty much most of the time like he kind of left he didn't really talk about like the politics of like kanye he just kind of like he treated him like a regular person and like yeah they brought up a little bit of the stuff that like he was going through but he just kind of like he, he got, got a lot out of that him. interview. Yeah. I got to finish that interview because because I didn't know Kanye was like building these um, religious establishments, you know, mm-hmm. built off of uh, 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 hydropower. You know, when he, he started talking about that and how he didn't want it solar powered and and mm-hmm. all that, and and then I started to fall asleep. It was like midnight. And I was watching it and laying in bed, and I just couldn't. I I couldn't keep my eyes open. Yeah. Well, he, I think just Kanye, just in general, he, like he definitely thinks he's Jesus, and he thinks he's a, above like everyone else, which can get problematic, like depending on who you are. But mm-hmm. uh, like, I still like, I like, I'll still listen to his music, and like, I'll I, like it, it. Just especially now, the way he's running for president and saying that he's actually come out and said that he's running for president to that's a, like a vote for Trump. Like he wants Trump to still be president. It's 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 just when he says stuff like that, it just becomes harder and harder to separate like the artist from like the human that Kanye that that, that Kanye is. But I don't know. Like, do you find that hard or? Mm, there's a lot of that going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And I try not to let it. Uh get in the way of how I overall, you know, perceive somebody just because Mm -hmm. they are a Trump supporter. I don't want to have to say, well, fuck you for that. You know, I don't agree with your, 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 the principles and I maybe fuck your principles, you Mm -hmm. know, but like I have family members that are Trump supporters that I love deeply. So it's, there's that, but, and there are also athletes that I uh, have admired you know, and um, it's a little su- surprising 
uh, or or I can't let it shock me when when they say, oh, you know, Brett Favre is endorsing Trump or something like that. You know, like, wow, Brett Favre was like everything about football for me when I was mm-hmm. a kid growing up. And not that Brett Favre is everything to me, but like that, well, you know, it, it's just it's just uh, I try not to get it too much uh in between me and, and my my uh role models you know what i mean yeah i i know exactly what you mean and like i can totally see like why these celebrities and like business owners would support trump just because like throughout these last four years they've actually benefited benefited like tremendously because of like the the trump tax cuts and i can see why they would still want him in, in there for another four years because like they're doing really really well but it's like where do you draw the line like when you're that famous and make that much money where you draw the line between like how much money you make or like actual humanity because it's like if they don't like, really think outside their bubble humanity's like it's outside their bubble well they don't i don't believe that they 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 are thinking outside of their bubble, you know, like people, mm-hmm. of course, everyone wants tax cuts. Of course, no one wants to pay taxes, but mm-hmm. taxes are there for a reason, right? You know, there are, there yeah. are, there are people who benefit um, from that. And overall, I believe the country benefits from taxes and, um, mm-hmm. but you know, to them, it doesn't, uh, it's not like it's, uh, um, instant gratification for them you know mm-hmm. and it, and nor I, will it probably uh greatly affect them unless they you know come to a suburban area where there are uh, uh, an over you know it's all packed in and there's an overpopulated area you know better health care or they can't afford you know going to the hospital and, and stuff like that that's what taxes are for Mm-hmm. And I think like the most important thing about taxes too is that that we need to like remember is like if really if everyone just pays like their part, we I don't think we would really have like these arguments like here and there. It's just like the like the rich will always have like the argument like when they pay like like they'll like they'll get they'll have to pay more if they make more than four hundred thousand dollars a year. They're like, well, they were like well how come i get to pay more when this guy on the uh like on the left or on the right or in the middle like he's uh, he's paying less than me it's just like it, i don't know it's always it's a very sticky situation <laughs> it is yeah it is it's not straightforward yeah. it's not black and white either mm-hmm. yeah but uh i guess enough talking about politics before we start getting depressed and cutting our wrists but uh yeah uh i get uh, for for this episode uh we're we're continuing our nolan uh our christopher nolan retrospect which last week we talked about memento and i guess and this week we're going to be talking about following yeah his debut film yeah uh his it's definitely a debut film but (laughs) right let's get right into it um what, 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 like, what you think of this as a film, Cameron? Well, yeah, um, it's very Christopher Nolan. It's much more of a uh, a director's film than it is mm-hmm. a, a performance movie. 
you know and mm-hmm. clearly you know you look at the budget you know some of the you know it's not really carried by the actors you know mm-hmm. it's, it's carried purely by the plot and yes. the, the screenplay it's almost like christopher nolan like watching this it's he was auditioning to make memento like he was like showing like studios and like investors like saying like oh this is this is like my idea of like a like a broken like timeline and telling a yeah. story out of order and non-linear yeah it's super interesting that like watching memento and then watching following just because um like watching that out of order just because you got to see like the finished product of what it's almost like memento is the finished product of like what following what he was trying to do with following on a limited Perhaps. budget uh, I think he um, he devils into the themes in Memento much more. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of, of following, I wasn't like having these uh, really deep philosophical questions mm-hmm. as much as I was in Memento. Although the themes are very similar. What do you think the themes are? Well, the, the, the themes of, of, of following? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, immediately it's just like, I kind of, what I've seen, like, it's, it's almost like following is just like Christopher, it's like Christopher Nolan, like directing like actors and just, and, and just kind of picking apart like who these people are and just like, it's, it's almost kind of like a, like an autobiograph, um, um, I can't say the word right now, uh, of him just like following like people that he looks up to and kind of uh picking picking and uh choosing like what he uh is learning about these people and just learning new things every single day like i can't remember the quote exactly but it was at the be- um beginning of the film where um uh, I, for- I forget his the 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 younger guy he says that he's like he he enjoys following people around and and uh, following them every day and just picking up new things, but uh, but uh, what 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 did you get from the film? Well, it's about to me the uh, the theme of the film is truth and trust. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, you know, there might be another thing when it comes to um, uh, there were a few things I liked about what Cobb was saying when they were burgling um, their first their first apartment mm-hmm. and there could be a sign of uh, uh materialism in there but it's not like the film goes deep into that theme i think it's it's the whole film encompasses a theme of uh what's true to these characters and and what's true to us because we don't we don't really figure out you know the uh full truth of the situation until the end of the film Mm -hmm. right and also trust like there's a whole you know from the from the get-go when when um what jeremy when he meets uh cobb at the beginning cobb goes up to him and he's like why are you following me who are you and all this and all of a sudden there's this lack of trust Mm -hmm. there's this uh barrier in between them and that they have to get through and and it seems like every character that jeremy meets or excuse me his name is not jeremy his name is danny right yeah uh, bill. danny jeremy 
as the guy who plays the I think dude. Um every character he meets, he goes th- through this develop this developing trust issues, you know? You and he immediately like has this trust for Cobb. Uh it's the the blonde woman that you start to see him kind of like, oh well, I don't know, you know, because she she lies to him about the photos, and then he starts to to figure out that that he's being manipulated. On top of that, you see that Cobb and the blonde woman are working together, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the film, well, you know, it turns out that Cobb was the the most untruthful um, all along, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I don't think I'm like asking myself any big questions or I'm like figuring or, or it's not like I'm able to um, see in or uh, reflect on myself or anything like that. It, the film feels very much like just actions and plot, you know, and they use these themes to push it forward and sort of grab a hold of you. Um, but it feels very Christopher Nolan. It feels like he's just um, trying to make a very interesting uh, sort of neo-noir crime thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not like you need to have this underlying philosophical sort of questions like like his later films get really into. But it, it's kind of there just a little bit, you know. And um, overall, the structure of the, the the actions and the events, I'm like, okay, you know, like I, you definitely see him go go back to a lot of the things he does. Uh, like at the end of the film, I immediately was like, uh, when Cobb is uh, when the pan the, the camera is painting on Cobb mm-hmm. in the crowd, and someone walks by, and all of a sudden he's gone. It it totally made me think of the third Batman film he did. And there's actually like a Batman logo like on one of the doors. Yeah, yeah. Like that. that did you find that a little random? Or is it just something that I was like looking for? Like, no, I just mean, because I know this guy directed Batman. It it was probably random. I, I think it it more. Um, I think that's a um, what? How do I put it? Um, it tells you because that was the Batman logo was on um, Danny's door on his apartment door and he's unemployed and he has all these posters of films around and like Marilyn Monroe and the shining on his. Well, I think that's just a um, it, is describing his character and the yeah, sort of person he is. It's yeah, exactly. I don't I, It's 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 kind of a coincidence that he ended up directing a Batman trilogy. Yeah, I definitely think it's coincidence, but I just thought it was like kind of a weird thing to point out. So it was funny. I I definitely noticed that. Um, Yeah, yeah. I like this. This film is definitely like, like kind of like the skeleton of like what Memento it it is, and just like I I understand like why like the themes like just aren't there just yet. Like it's it's really just a film to show what Christopher Nolan can do. And that is that he's really great with the camera and just really good at like building 
like up a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like he shot this for like six thousand dollars. Yeah, and I know. He, I, th- I was uh, looking at that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and he, I think he shot it like over the summer, and like he could he could only shoot a, shoot it on weekends, and did it with friends, and like that is like absolutely insane that he was able to do it. Like, that says a lot about his ability to direct a film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was very you know it's it's in black and white, and the actors are kind of you know kind of dry at some points and and like the fighting scenes are totally like, you know oh, like god the punches you're you could totally it looks like a like uh a, a short film me and my high school friends would try to make you know exactly. but that does, that's not that doesn't like take anything away from the film it, it it's just telling me that it's the 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 literal direction and where the film is going and how it's moving forward you know i'm not too concerned about the the punches look incredibly fake and and you know i almost had i almost was laughing like when like he uh was getting his hand like uh oh, hammered off yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like this looks kind of silly and kind of dumb but i'm just like i i just kind of let it go because it's like it's his debut film and i'm like i, uh, I mean like, it's telling a story though you know yeah, and, and, and you know, and it was back in '98, and and even if it was in in current day, if it was a a, a high school student's uh, weird film, and it was really cheesy, it's still telling a story, right? Mm-hmm. You can still imagine the uh, the gruesome details in your head, or and 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 alternatively, it yeah that that scene in the film. Um, pushes uh uh develops the blonde's character a little mm-hmm. bit you know and how that uh the club owner wanted her dead you know it confirms that and how Cobb is the tool of that yeah uh i think this this film actually kind of it's a it's a little frustrating too especially um with the female character it because it seems like female characters in pretty much all of Christopher Nolan's films kind of get a little bit of a short stick. Uh, like it, it just like, there's, there's never that very, it, there's uh, like, I can't really think of like a Christopher Nolan film, like throughout his entire filmography where they're actually like the main piece and they're not there to like serve like the, uh, I, I, I what do you mean, like a protagonist? Like, yeah, like a protagonist or a and bigger just, like, character. They're not there to just uh, move like the male character's story along. It's I, just, I'd it, say um, Interstellar has that. Interstellar has a bigger uh, character development with uh, uh I forgot with his name. daughter. Um, no, not Matthew McConaughey's daughter. The scientist's daughter, the the girl that goes on the journey with them, mm-hmm. it, she gets development, and she. Is it, I don't think she's J- just Jessica there. Chastain? I don't remember her name. I think it's. I think she plays Catwoman in in the third Batman film, Anne Hathaway. Okay. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, uh, I. I'd say she has a, a a big part in that in the movie um, Interstellar. 
but I see where you're coming from. I, when I'm thinking of all the other films, yeah, there's not really uh, um, a female character that uh, isn't there just to um, serve a purpose for another character. Yeah. But in, in, in Interstellar, I, I feel like she's a big part of uh, what happens in the, in the movie. Yeah, I, I have her own character. I haven't seen Interstellar. I've only seen Interstellar once, so I, like once we Ooh. get to that, I'll have to. That'll be fun. I think that's that's gonna that's his deepest film I've ever seen. Yeah, it's I've seen it in theaters once, and I wasn't. I, I, there was some. I th- I forget what was going on in my life at the time. I just wasn't. I it just didn't hit me like like any of his other films did it's it was just a super it's just a super weird film i'll just i'll just say that but but yeah um i don't know but yeah uh following i definitely think that um like just to repeat like what we kind of already said like it's definitely like a debut film it's Mm -hmm. not like you can see what Christopher Nolan like wants to do like later in his film career. And I'm really glad it didn't really necessarily typecast him into like nonlinear, like story, um, storytelling, because I feel like, like he makes this one and he makes memento. It's almost kind of like, like, uh, there's I, not really I, any other of his films that do that. Yeah. That man begin does it too. He could have gotten typecast for that. Like, yeah. Uh, people could have like oh this is the non-linear guy i'm like i'm uh much more than just i think he's 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 like the uh very thematic kind of thrilling uh kind of director that also makes you ask questions about what is what is the truth you know i think i think when it comes to nolan the most reoccurring theme is uh truth Mm -hmm. uh personal truth and um communal truth and i I think trust too because you can get that from inception too like inception is like there's a lot of like trust like themes and like in that film too so oh yeah uh, i think what i get from following though is like i since we've seen what he could do like on a like a small budget i kind of want him to go back to kind of like working on a small budget because i want to know what he can do now knowing what he can knowing like everything that he's learned like throughout his entire career. I want him to go back to like a small budget and see like, that'd be what interesting to create with that. I don't like, think that'll ever happen. Like, what no. do you think about that? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't think, think it, it would either. It would, I don't think it'll ever happen. Uh, it's a cool idea, but not going to lie. I love it when a director gets a name for himself and gets a, a ton of money from uh, distributors and, He's able to make a a a a very wide open film with a huge perspective, you know. I think considering the fact that Following only had a six thousand dollar budget, mm-hmm. um, you weren't you weren't really able to have this big open minded philosophical movie, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and I'm looking at his filmography right now, and it seems like every movie moving forward gets bigger and bigger not not just the size of the production but like the questions and the the open-endedness at the end of the, all of his films that's one thing too that i think christopher nolan is he is cliffhangers at the end of the film it's always open-ended sort of a question you know 
and yeah. this one and following not so much it's the the open-endedness is kind of much more visual you know yeah it's the this one was it definitely had a cliffhanger because it definitely just cut it's almost like uh, it, it it's shows Cobb and then and then he disappears in the crowd just like how he, he goes back into the crowd like he was at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. it was almost kind of like a soprano's ending where it's yeah. kind of like just cuts the black and stuff like that i wonder if that was like actually intentional or it's just like the fact that this was his debut film and probably i'm not sure if it was a student film it uh like maybe he just was like okay i'm done here so it's like 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 I've had, off, man. he told a great uh crime thriller story you know but what was that mm-hmm. and, you know and on that budget you can't really you can't really have a bigger bigger questions on that budget yeah for sure uh, sometimes i think you need i think you need a lot of money to uh well my part way through the film not gonna lie i was getting a little bored you know i i i was kind of you know, looking around, like, wait, just waiting for the film to really get into it. You know, it was about halfway through. Uh, and then I think when we figured out that uh, when I started to put the pieces together, you know, of like, oh, you know, the the nonlinear pieces. And I was asking myself, well, how does he get here that we see in the beginning of the film? And then and then we see that Cobb and the blonde woman are working together. That's when I really like, okay, this is getting interesting now, you know? Yeah. I don't, like, I don't def- get that with any of the others films. He definitely like kind of has like the, the, the JJ Abrams kind of like mystery box, like type of storytelling too, where it's mm-hmm. like, he gives so much information to uh, the audience and also just kind of like holds back just a little bit. JJ right. um, Abrams. Um, that'd be a that'd be a, a fun uh, filmography to go through. Kind of a, a hard one. <laughs> yeah, I, some of his so films much. are good. Some of his <laughs> films are not so good. Yeah, I not I would not want to do like a retrospect on JJ, but it'd be I'd fun. Rather, I don't know. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah, uh, you know the Star Trek movies are definitely not boring. That's for yeah, sure. For for sure, but I don't know um it's just it i find it a little bit hard to talk about like this film just because like like you said there's like there's very very little themes it's not much to talk about yeah what what do you mean i mean there's not much to talk about more when it comes to the following more than just what happens in the movie yeah you know like with memento we were able to talk about memories and 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 how and how we're able to um how our memories get uh, altered and we uh, can deceive ourselves you know or we we memories change through time and and how that turns into your perspective on your identity you know what your purpose is in life or what your purpose is as as a per- as a person and how you're able to find resolution and all that and how oh, that i love memento yeah, it's it's so it's it's uh, I love Memento too. It's like I think I, I like I said on the last podcast. It's like one of my it's like it it's up there like top five for his like in t- if we we're ranking all these, which mm-hmm. we'll probably do at the end. But definitely, definitely, uh, like the it's next, definitely way up there. So next movie we got is Insomnia, 
Yeah. That's, that's his first movie on a, in a big studio, Warner Bros. Yeah, the first. Uh, that that has... Is, is it Christian Bale in it? Is that the first Christian... Uh, um, Al Pacino. Oh, yeah. Oh, Robin yeah, Al Williams. Hillary Swank. Ooh. Yeah, right? That's a good cast. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm excited. I haven't seen Insomnia in a really long time. I've never so seen it. I'm, ex- I'm excited to uh, revisit it. And it's it's interesting about all, even following an Insomnia is that a lot of Christopher Nolan's films now are like two hours plus. This one is running in at about an hour and 50, 58 minutes. And obviously following was like 70 minutes. Just just not. I, I, it's almost like it was like an hour. I, like I would yeah, say it was really short, you know, but the first half of the film felt like it was dragging. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like I was just waiting for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's definitely it had like a student film vibe where it's just like a bunch of shots kind of put together. It's like he was probably he probably just liked these shots and they didn't really serve a purpose to him. Uh, he kind of just he kind of fell fell in love with his babies a little bit too mm-hmm. much. So I don't think too uh, much, but uh, I, I, I like that, you know, when a, a director really gets into something, you know, and a director becomes very, I don't know how to put it, but you you could tell this is a Christopher Nolan film, like, you know, just like other directors, like, like Quentin Tarantino too, you know, is a very particular style yeah, and they love it. You know, they get into it. One, one of the things I wanted to bring up that, uh, perhaps it, it becomes a theme. I don't know. It, it doesn't, it's not like the, these themes get really developed, but, uh, when they were robbing their first house, Right. And he was just taking this um, Cobb was like taking the sentimental stuff away from them. And and Danny was questioning it. And Cobb told him, sometimes you have to take away. If you take away what they have, it'll re- remind them what they used to have. Mm-hmm. Something that's, along those lines. And like, that was so true. So very true. Sometimes a, we what. That's such a big like theme of like what. Like you can use that like today, like taking away like what you used to have. It makes you. Yep. You don't know what like, you have until it's gone, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I can use that in my life throughout <laughs> throughout uh, pretty much my entire life. It's 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 crazy. It's. Have you ever been robbed? Uh no. Well, but, like uh, robbed of my heart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> no. Uh. Yeah, and I have I have never been robbed. I've had things stolen from me, but like, it's more like I uh, had things lent. Uh, I lent them out, and just people didn't return them. So, all I'm, right, it's not like you came home or like you look in your backpack and all of a sudden that's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, it's a very weird feeling. Um, I've had my house broken into once. Mm-hmm. Um not too long after my house was broken into it was, it was in high school i was at a foot i was playing in a football game and while i was in the playing in the football game uh someone broke into my dad's truck um stole everything they could they like ripped out the gps system ripped out the radio you know um and i've definitely had more than a few things taken from me while i was like in school um, one thing that comes to mind is like 
my lanyard. Do you ever remember when you were in high school and like it was just a cool thing to have key rings or like you just get you it's like your first time having keys to the house or keys to a car and you have this big long lanyard hanging out of your pocket. Yeah. You know, I had that I had that literally taken from my pocket. And I right. I didn't, and I didn't feel it. That's <laughs> you know, I was walking in the hallways and you know there's like a you know, a hundred kids in the hallway and I'm wearing, I love wearing basketball shorts cause they're super goddamn comfortable, but mm-hmm. you don't feel shit taken from you. I got pickpocketed dude. Just took my lint. Like what, what the hell is he going to do with my keys? I didn't have a car at the time. Uh, I, they were just my house keys. Uh, it was a little worrisome, you know, like if he knew who he was messing with, um, he could, ju- he could break into my house with that or she, whoever it was i don't discriminate but um um moments like those uh they really a lot you know force you to like yeah when 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 Cobb said that in the movie i was like shit you know yeah when uh you don't you don't really think about your material things too much in your day-to-day life you know because it's so normal it's always there you know, mm-hmm. you don't come home and think about it. Is it going to be gone? Or or there are some things in your house you probably don't even think about until it's gone, you know, mm-hmm. or you, you 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 see it's gone. And then all of a sudden you you remember that you had it or you remember the use you could use for it. And um, it's very. Um, you feel like you've been uh, violated for one. It's- it's like it's it, it, it it's almost like you're just standing naked like in a in a front of uh, in yeah. front of crowded people. It's like <laughs> that's oh, funny. What? That's funny. I had a dream last night that I, I was naked at school. That the, the TMI, Cameron. I don't need to know that. So I, <laughs> no, had a, <laughs> I had a T-shirt on. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, well, then... I was in class and, and I'm like shit. I, I don't have my pants on and, and like I, ha- I had my blanket with me though. So I just covered myself in my blanket and no one noticed everyone, you know, no, no one, no one said a thing. And then my teacher came around to me and she's like, what are you doing with that blanket? And I'm like, nothing. She's like, do you have something under there? Like, are you hiding something? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm not that's funny anything. you bring that up. Yeah, that's uh, I never really like I always heard about those sort of nightmares or they're not nightmares to me, but those dreams, those sort of angsty dreams. And, and I whenever I would hear about them, I would like I've never really had them and, until sort of like recently. I've been having more dreams like where I go back into high school and I forget my locker combination or, you know, I'm not wearing my pants and my underwear and, and like shit, you know, like this is this does suck. Yeah, it's so it's so weird just because like 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 as Americans or even just as human beings, we find just like just walking into a, an area with no pants on is just like, oh, that's so embarrassing. Oh, no, I'm like, I don't want pants on. It's just like, I'm sure like in other like cultures, it's like whatever, it, it's, you know, it's some like, African yeah, tribe like that or these girls like, have their titties out all the time, you know, and Right, and, and so. these guys are wearing these like really low cut like skirts, and their junk's hanging out. It's no big deal to them, right? It's it's weird it's... how our culture has a deeply embedded uh, privacy, mm-hmm. and that that which, also which goes directly into privacy. What? But but if you like look at everything that we log into, it's like we're not actually that private. 
but that's that's a whole nother conversation, a whole nother podcast we could probably do. So oh, we're only forty minutes in. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's true. But um, uh, yeah, it's just it's just interesting that like we're like like our private parts. We no, we can't show those, but like our data, like it look it's it's totally fair game, but. We don't want it to be fair game, though. Yeah, I know and that's it, like and it's a... it's really like just hit the surface in the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Where our our data should be private, or and we're just beginning to ask ourselves that you know, like, what is going on with our data? Why are companies able to sell it to other third party companies? And that's why you get all these emails. Mm-hmm. It's it's called a cookie what, kids. What did <laughs> I I heard a really cool life pro tip is whenever you sign up for something, um, I think, or like you log into a or you create an account on a website, you always put in that website's name in your name when you give them your name, so that when you receive spam email. Um, they'll use that in in the name in trying to contact you, so you'll know who sold your data. Oh, that's it's kind that's of genius, a good tip. right? That's a really good tip. I haven't done that because I get constant junk email all the time, like stuff trying to sell me stuff or like fake, uh, like fake Apple emails saying that your, your account has been breached. Log in here to fix it. I'm like, no, no, that's a, right. you know, that's, that's, that's definitely, they're trying to steal your shit. Right. You know, but how do they get my email? How do they get my information? How do they know I have an Apple account and all this crap, you know? Right. Probably because I logged into some some app, you know, with my name on my iPhone. Like the most important thing, like I'm not sure if you've seen um the uh the social dilemma. Not on, yet uh, on Netflix. I should. It's it's really good. It's a really well crafted documentary. But the most important thing that I got from that one was that was that if the website is free or the app is free, and like you're you're most likely uh, like you're uh, forget the actual uh, quote, but um, you're not the customer like your data is or something like that. Mm, like if sense. you're if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Yeah, Ooh. that's what, that's yeah, that's what that's the quote. That's so a good one. Like, I like yeah. that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. So if you're not paying for the product. You are the product. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, and I found that just super powerful and just like, yeah. It's, so are we a product of our society? I I would have I would I would say so. Like it's hard not it's hard not to not agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you look uh, at the clothes that you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Look at the things that we're talking about. You know, right, right. Like our style had to come from somewhere, mm-hmm. and also it's like, and uh, like our style came from one person, and that person got. And the are style you more me, prone, and more just... prone to buy a certain product, you know, than other products? Mm-hmm. Like you're probably yeah. more prone to buy from Nike than you are from Adidas, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Are you a, yeah, yeah. are you a Nike guy or are you an Adidas yeah, guy? I, um, I'll buy Nike. I, I'm more. Uh, I, I've kind of like for shoes. Like I kind of draw more to Puma. I like Pumas. Yeah. 
I just find them more comfortable. Uh, I had a, and, I had a uh, pair of uh, Puma uh, running shoes when I was in track and field. Mm-hmm. Puma was the best. Yeah, this they've gotten uh, way better. Also, uh, Usain Bolt endorsed Puma. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I want to run fast like Usain Bolt. Right. Boom. Uh, don't we product. All? You're a product of of that uh, um, market marketing. Mm-hmm. Boom. Right. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's, life is just weird. Can we just say that? <laughs> it is. It's, um, it's not, it's not so simple. You can look at it simply if you want, you know, if that's what makes you happy. And if you don't want to go crazy or if, if, uh, looking into the spectrum of colors makes you feel crazy, then yeah, sure. Look into the black and white side of things, but, uh, you do gotta i think it's important to acknowledge that there are things um much more complicated than we than we imagine yeah definitely um but i think we should i think we should probably end on that i know we have only gone like an hour but uh i think that's a good that's a good thing to end on but uh following like definitely i recommend it it's um I, well, I recommend people watch anyone's first film mm. just because it's it, it's I'm such a looking into that. Just because it, it's it's nice to see like an origin. I, I like or, an origin story is always super interesting for me. Yeah, and, and it sort of um, will be an implication of how the director directs and in, in his career, or even like it doesn't necessarily have to be. Like, cause no. like, I'm sure, I'm sure there's plenty of directors out there. Like if we watch their first films, it's like, wow, they were like directing musicals and now they're like, uh, directing like action movies and stuff like that. It's, uh, it, that's something, that's a simple way to like look like at who? it, but it's, who does that? Who's done that? Uh, well, that, that, that was just like a random example, oh. but I'm just, uh, <laughs> um, well, I guess you could, I, like Rob Marshall, Rob Marshall, I'm not like Rob Marshall, him. like he directed Chicago, and then he also did the worst Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, oh shit! Oh, yeah. um, George Miller. Yeah, George. Um, From Mad Max to Happy Feet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> do, you, do you how like since you brought that up, like do you think George Miller was actually there during like production, or was he just phoning in? He was just like, yeah, I like penguins dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Do whatever, guys. Yeah. Um, he he had to have been, right? He did two of them. He it, he's accredited for writing it too. And he's a producer. So he not he's not only writing and directing, but he's funneling in money too. I don't know. That's that's something that we'd have to uh look into. Shoot, I'm looking at it right now. He he did Babe pig in a big city in the city two he did two babe films wow he wow i haven't seen babe in like how do you go from happy feet 2 to mad max fury road uh george miller i guess i'm gonna have to look into his career and and see how what his influences were and and why happy feet is a thing Maybe, now I just want to like see like this crazy universe of just Mad Mad Max Three Happy Feet Edition, <laughs> where it's 
Actually, you know, the next Mad Max film would be the fifth installment if he did another one. Oh yeah, that yeah, Matt, the, the Have you seen the old ones? Yeah, I I have seen I've seen Beyond the Thunderdome and I've seen the first one and uh I forget yeah, what happens in that uh, second one. Um, yeah, Thunderdome Beyond the Thunderdome the third is a one is little weird. crazy. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> he like goes into this like weird like all kid community or like society and like okay, this is definitely right. a big turn from the last two films. But mm-hmm. Fury Road is without a doubt one of my favorite films of all time. I think yeah. I I think I saw that in theaters like a dozen times. I I don't think I've seen it that much, but I definitely seen it like i definitely took like all my friends to see it yeah. and just like I th- well i was getting free movie passes at the time but yeah we were working together i just was like yeah i was just like we we got to see this it was like, one of those films that like i would have to i was finding people who hadn't seen it yet just to get an excuse for me to see it right mm-hmm. so i could bring another film or another person who hasn't seen it and 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 and, and it's that uh uh sort of feeling of mystery when you when you're watching somebody that hasn't seen it and you're seeing their reactions to a film for the first time it sort of brings you back to mm-hmm. your your first time watching it you know yeah. um it's kind of cool it's like um i've been playing sea of thieves with one of my friends who just started playing it recently and it, and it remind and he's like like every time we play, he has this new epiphany of like something new in the game that makes him excited. And it just brings me back to my first few weeks or months of playing it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it feels good. Yeah. The n- nostalgia is like, like it's what, it's what drives us. Like it can be a bad thing, but it's like, like it's always good to like, look back at like, like when, when you last enjoyed something and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. Uh, but did you, since we're talking about Mad Max, like, did, have you seen the black and white version? The black the and white edition? version. Chrome. Yeah, there's a black. Oh, of Fury Road? Yeah, Fury Road. Uh, I heard about it. It's, I should watch it. Yeah, I think you can get it on Amazon right now for like 20 bucks. Uh, and this was like an actual, like, George Miller funded this? Is yeah, he funded this. And like, it, he edited like I, th- I don't think because he shot the movie where it can be seen in like like black and white and color but it's such a like you see the cinematography so like so much more that's mm-hmm. why I like, that's why i like black and white like pitch uh film so much just because i love the way frames uh i love the way like things are framed and things are lit yeah and just it, focus more on that yeah uh but I don't know. It's I, I highly recommend you 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 should watch that. So, All right, I'll um, definitely look into that. Um, about the yeah, Niners, yeah. Uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> did they bench Garoppolo or did he get hurt? Uh he he got hurt. They said it was an ankle, but the but I That's before sucks. we started recording before we started recording, uh, the I listened to Kyle Shanahan. He said it's a foot injury. That so, sucks. You, yeah, you were you were telling uh, me how you liked uh, um, this next man up thing that they're doing, and I was immediately going to respond to you like, "Oh, you know, every team goes through injuries, and every team has that next man up philosophy." But no, the Niners are really getting hurt this year. 
Yeah, it's. I think we have like the most injured, like players, like in this season, the entire NFL. (laughs) Yeah, probably the most starters um, out. Yeah, I saw. I saw George Kittle leave the game late. Yeah, that was an ankle injury. And they still, they still had an opportunity to um, come back. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like when I watched when. I, like I'm not a big Niners fan, like I'm a casual yeah. fan, but when I watched them uh, make it all the way to the Super Bowl last year, like I know that they got there based on their defense, and Garoppolo just is not like I don't see him as he's an average like, the future of this team. He's not the he's not the future of this team. He... When you can't even pass more than ten yards, <sighs> it's well, he can. But when he's hurt, um, I saw a broadcaster mention how when his first game back after his injury this season, mm-hmm. he um, he was throwing off of his back foot a lot, and that that like he wasn't he wasn't moving into the throwing motion, so he wasn't because of that. There was a lack of power in the in in the the the, the footballs would just loft in the air and they would stay in the air too long and the defense they would give the defense enough time to react and um you know you gotta you gotta sort of lean forward and um you know put oomph into it and when you when you uh when you just said that it kind of reminded me of the Raiders situation with Derek Carr mm-hmm. there's there's been this ongoing debate um whether Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback or not and um I think the Niners have the same thing going on with Jimmy G right now. They 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 traded for him. They gave him a nice contract, which you know directly signifies he should be a franchise quarterback. But his his play and his you know uh, on field production have been sort of questionable. And yeah, in that Super Bowl, you know, definitely told you that because he had an opportunity to have a game winning drive. And um, he overthrew Sanders on a on an easy touchdown pass. He overthrew him by a couple yards, and like you know, someone said that on game winning drives or when the pressure is on, and or you have to make the game winning shot. You know, that's where you know champions are made, and that's where you determine if you are a franchise guy. Jimmy G couldn't mm-hmm. do it. You know, yeah. he might be able to learn in the future yeah. and he could probably learn from it, but you don't want to have to wait too long after you paid the dude 140 million or, or whatever, you know, and exactly. that's, what we're, that's what we're going through with Derek Carr. Just because Derek Carr had had one great year doesn't mean he's going to continually have one great year, you know, and we paid him, you know, at the time when we paid him, he was the highest paid quarterback of the time. And he he basically got that because of one good season. Well, I think what the the Raiders and the and the Niners like, like with Carr and and Garoppolo, they're both they they see success because their head coaches are really good. They know how to play around, around like their them. weaknesses. Yeah. They know how to play around yeah. their weaknesses. Yeah, like Kyle Shanahan, like he's a master at that. I, like, mm-hmm. I'm not too. I don't follow Gruden that much because I don't watch much Raiders, but uh, Raiders games, but. From what I've seen, like this year, like Kyle Shanahan just seems like he can just yeah like plug any player in, 
and he like it seems like he he's having success. They're like, both offensive gurus. Yes, they 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 make incredible play calls. They draw up some of the 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 play, like greatest plays that you would never imagine, you know, and it catches defenses off guard and all that. And and for the most part, that can make almost any quarterback look good, you mm-hmm. know, if you have good play calling. You know, these guys are professionals. Jimmy G and Derek Carr are good quarterbacks. Um, but you know, every average quarterback in the NFL is good. So yeah. I think I think Jimmy G and Derek Carr is like the uh quintessential average quarterback. Like that that's where it, it's sort of like where you want to ask yourself, um, when you're asking yourself if a player is good. You have to compare him to these guys. Well, is he better than these guys or is he not better than these guys? You know, well, that it's like the medium. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I think like especially like watching football a little bit more like this year, uh, like, like what I'm noticing is that uh, what's different between football and like the NBA is that it seems like, like feel free to disagree with me. Like on, on here, I just kind of want to know, like, go ahead and shoot shoot uh is that it it feels like like in football like the like the head coach like he cut he's running the show a little bit more than the head coach in basketball like the players in basketball it seems like they're making the coach look good and like the head coach Mm -hmm. in the nfl they're it's more like they're making the players look good i'm not i'm not putting and down like any of the like the great nfl players but it just seems like, and alternatively, you're not putting down the great N- the NBA coaches either. Yeah, for sure. But overall, uh, in the grand scheme of things, the NBA is a players' league. The NFL mm-hmm. is a a team, much more of a team sport, not an individual sport. And yeah, mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that. You know. Um, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, like, I could disagree with it. You know, but. When I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it it it's if you have a bad coach, who a good coach takes the blame, and he never takes the credit either. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I have seen the Raiders coached by mediocre talent on the coaching level, and um, it, it's just yeah. I mean. It's it's so easy to pin it on the players, but if you don't have somebody leading those players, you know you're not going to spark them. You're, you're not going to give them that motivation and that drive. And it's one thing to call up a good play, you know, and all that. But and it's another thing to um, look like you're look like you want to be on the field himself, you know, and 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 also. Um, knowing when to take credit for things and and whatnot and and yeah good coach good coaches take blame and never take the credit yeah and i feel like jerry's gonna get a little bit mad at me but i'm gonna bring up the patriots just because like they lost to the bills today i still think the bills aren't i don't think they're a good team but i feel like (laughs) i feel like they're because they're playing they're not playing the like great teams they played From the what Chiefs. I can see. Well, yeah, okay. I think they lost to the Chiefs, maybe, but it was a good game. Yeah, but they're on. They're on the. They're on the rise. They're a rising team. Going back to like the coaches running the show in the NFL. That's where I feel like 
it might you you might be seeing the end of Bill Belichick just because like it seems like he doesn't have Tom Bill Brady Belichick, anymore. It, but it's if he if he was a good coach, well, he, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but it seems like he should be able to plug and play with Cam Newton. And uh, I understand yeah, they don't have the that's, receivers. That's a conversation but, right there. Yeah, it's and also just from from what I've been uh, like I've been li- listening to a lot of the Bill Simmons podcast too, mm-hmm. is that is that he he just hasn't drafted very well from like from what from what I hear from like Patriots fans and like Bill Simmons, who's the biggest Patriots fan that I listen to at least, mm-hmm. uh, is that they he just hasn't drafted well. And it feels like that should be on him, and They're it's like you very can't, much a defensive team. Lately, in the last in the last half decade, probably, or if you want to go back further, you, you probably could say the whole last decade, um, their defense has been carrying them. And yeah, they had Tom Brady, you know, really come down in high pressure situations and make the, you know, he puts he makes throws on the dot. You know, Tom Brady is one of the best passers in the league. And yeah, I'm sure if if they had Tom Brady instead, they probably would have won. But uh, um, I think Bill Belichick is a great coach because of his philosophies. Yeah, he doesn't draft well. He's definitely missed out on, lately on on a lot of uh, big players like DK Metcalf. And he traded away his pick, which ended up being Lamar Jackson, uh, which I'm sure he would love to have right now. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But also... Um, with the Cole Cam Newton thing, is they're they're complete. I feel like their offense is different now that it's Cam Newton. They're trying to install him or install his style into their um, scheme, you know. And you're you're seeing a lot more quarterback runs, mm-hmm. and that's exactly why they lost against the Seahawks. Um. They used a play that they had uh, used earlier in the game, um, and they called the exact same play at the end of the game for to go for the win. And of course, the Seahawks aren't going to be fooled, you know. But I'm not sure Bill was trying to fool him. He just thought that the play worked before, and it's Cam Newton, so let's run it again. But like, come on, I don't know. Like, I, I just... think I think they're relying they're they're relying a little too much on their quarterback. And yeah. I mean, because they've relied on Tom Brady uh, to run the offense uh, on the well, I mean, in the passing game um, so much, you know, and now they have a running quarterback. Cam Newton doesn't really throw the ball deep. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of losing. I'm not I wouldn't say I'm losing interest in football, but I'm definitely not watching it as much. So I can't I can't say that um, I'm the best uh, source to go to, but uh, the game is changing because of the fact that Tom Brady left, and um, they're they're not a they're not as a big threat uh, in the air, and they're they've always been a great running team. They've always had a good defense, but if you don't have that element of passing the ball, then it's easy to see what they're what they want to do, you know. And granted, the game they played today was pretty good. It was a close game, but it came down to what? Cam Newton fumble. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I well, don't think Cam Newton I, is. I would, uh, he's washed up. He uh, still I, well, I, I was. I brought this up to Jerry, too, is that like 
I think another important thing to note about Cam Newton, especially this year, was that he did get COVID. And we don't know what the side effects of like coronavirus or COVID-19 or whatever you want to call it, COVID-19. Uh, like, yeah, he recovered. But I, I see this all the time. Like when, like even like when NBA players like recovered and they had COVID, uh, like you, you, they put like played a little bit different. Like, like maybe like it just because we don't really know like the side effects of like, uh, of like recovery and stuff like that, because they say that it like affects the heart, affects the lungs. And just like, I I didn't really like watching Cam Newton today in like the last couple of games was that he, he just didn't, he seemed off out there like more than like at the beginning of uh beginning of the season. Mm. But like, w- w- would you agree with that? Like, so- mm. I think that that can be a narrative that can be easily applied, but I don't, I don't think that um, is the reason why Cam Newton isn't playing as great. Mm-hmm. I think he's been playing the same, the same way all year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, he's a running quarterback. He's a big dude who who can put his head, put his shoulders down and try to run through the line. And sometimes he has too much faith in his legs uh, because he won an MVP off of it. You know, back in 2015, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And um, he's never been a guy that is a precision passer down the field. Never. I mean, he's he's been able to throw it down the field. He 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 has a big arm. He, he could chuck it down there, but like there have been times where he would have to rely on a on a big body receiver to go up and get it. You know, not putting it on a dot or in a bucket. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what Tom Brady does. Tom Brady puts the footballs in a bucket. You know, he knows exactly where to put it. And if Tom Brady were playing for the Niners in the Super Bowl last year, I guarantee you they would have won. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that, that's like no argument. Like they're like Tom Brady is like one of I mean, the it would have been one hell of a game. game. Yeah. You know, but uh, but I mean that completely separates um, certain teams from other teams. You can have a, a, a great defense like the Niners did. You know, you can have a great running backs. You can have a great head coach, you know, but if your quarterback can't make the the throw, the, the high pressure throws when it needs to happen, that could be the difference of the game. And that's exactly why Patrick Mahomes won. Because Patrick Mahomes is the next quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's defense wins championships. Yes. But if your defense Offense wins if games, you, if you can't, if you can't score, then your defense basically like it was wait. Your defense was wasted. At that De- point. Your, your defense can carry you to a championship, but your defense can't win the championship for you. You know what I mean? Okay, they can't. They can't win a the single game. I agree with that. That saying, defense wins championships, but offense wins games, mm-hmm. right? And the Super Bowl yeah. is just one game. So, yeah, for sure. Wow, Patrick Mahomes! Holy crap, that dude is. He's like, impressive. It, it, <laughs> it, it, when I was a kid, you know, like that's exactly what I thought uh, like the perfect video game quarterback would be. Never I imagined that someone would actually be able to pull some of that stuff off, mm-hmm. you know, and like, 
wow. And, 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 and it's like, he's changing the game. You know, I never, I, I watched Moneyball. I told you how I watched Moneyball the other day. Right. And there mm-hmm. was a really, yeah. there was a really great line that kind of spoke out to me at the end of the film. It said that no matter how much you can, you can try to, um, have different philosophies or I, I forget what he said. You can't change baseball. You can't change the game. It's about fundamentals and it's not about numbers and all that. And, you know, I know baseball is a completely different sport, but, uh, that sort of, a lot of people have been saying that about football too. You know, you can't, like you used to think mobile quarterbacks weren't the future, but you know, not even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now look at it, you know, like mobile quarterbacks used to be sort of uh once every now and then, you know, or a couple teams had a, had an all right one, but no, it's like, now you're looking for a mobile court. Now you're looking for a quarterback who had, who can throw on the run, who can throw across his body, which is, which is one thing that coaches told you never to do. You never want to throw across your body. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes throws across his body like ain't in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's changing the game because of it. Mm-hmm. I, I like that you brought up Moneyball and like also baseball that you can't change baseball just because I'm not sure if you watched the World Series. I did. But, I, have a, I have a Dodgers but, fan as a roommate. Oh, yeah. I think I think you mentioned that in the text. But um, I, I didn't watch anything in the World Series. I didn't watch hardly any baseball this year just because I find the baseball going to this analytics like format, I find it, it just doesn't fit. Like baseball is such a it baseball is such a drama sport. Like like we mentioned, like football is yeah. a team sport. NBA is a players league. Baseball is more of like a feeling a feelings league, I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's more it, like, I feel like, like the manager in baseball now doesn't really have like a say in anything. It seems it's more of like, it, it feels like the owners and like the analytics team is calling like all the shots and like, the, like so many, like about five or 10 years ago, you would have uh, like uh, uh, Bruce Bochy, since I'm a Giants fan, uh, like Bruce Bochy, was a master was a master like leaving pitchers in and or pulling them like in the, in the seventh or eighth inning mm. and keeping keeping a lead lead but like watching like just seeing some of the highlights for the Dodgers and Rays game like they would pull pitchers in like the sixth inning because yeah. and the analytics team would be like oh that, we got to pull them here because 100%. the numbers say this and I'm like well lost. sometimes the numbers isn't right yeah the but, Rays like, lost game six because of that. Because they pulled what's his butt, and like I think it was the sixth inning you said, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, boom! Dodgers hit run, get two runs in that inning right after they pulled what's his face, and and then the guy that they pulled him for didn't even get to play the whole inning. <laughs> yeah, I don't know baseball I, too much, but it's yeah, ugh, that was a mistake. Well, like I said, baseball is a feeling sport. Like managers spend like. They spend pretty much their entire summer and all fall around like all these players. They know their players the the most, and they know like like if they got runners on like they got runners on th- third, second, and first, the bases are loaded, and like they they don't have a single out, but they have like like a manager can say, "I have faith in you," like and just and like I I love the stories the most, like like when a pitcher like comes through like that's that's where stories that's where the best stories come from 
I feel like with baseball. I, and that's, I, like I feel like I feel like that's why I like baseball like so much more than football, just because baseball games are like so long and so much can happen. Yeah. From the first to the ninth inning. And like there's so much drama in it. But I feel like that drama is gone now because of like analytics and they're like, oh no, you gotta pull this because the numbers say this. Like like I said, the numbers could want, be wrong. If you want to believe that. Um, I so I I think every sport has has uh, dramatic storylines, but you're right. You know, I I I never really looked at it that way. Baseball is much more dramatic because mm-hmm. things can happen so instantly. And I don't know. When I was watching baseball with my roommates, it's like baseball feels much more like a game than any other sport. You know, mm-hmm. you throw the ball, it's a chess match, and you, you hit it. And you try to hit it as far as you can, and you're running around the bases. It feels much more like an actual game. And like I know there's a lot of rules and there's strategies when it comes to what kind of pitches you're throwing and and all that, and who to pull and who to replace for your runners and all that. But like compared to football and even basketball to an extent, it it doesn't feel as complicated. It doesn't feel like there are so many rules, and it's like it's simple. You throw the ball, you try to hit it, you know? It's not like football where you got to, like, spend, you know, a couple hours trying to explain it to somebody, you mm-hmm. know? Or even basketball when, like, well, what are these free throws? Or why, what, what's a technical foul? And why can't, you know, when 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 is it a foul and when is it not a foul? And it's like, baseball, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't get that as much. I'm asking a lot of questions because I don't know the sport, but I don't know. Do you, you agree with that? Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Just, just baseball, just it. Baseball's a simple sport, and I guess that's why you would call it like America's pastime because there's also not the first sport. Yeah, it's not necessarily like you can basically take anyone to a game. Well, not now, obviously, <laughs> but but you could take anyone to a game and just kind of and and just enjoy it, and you see all types of people at like like back when I could go to a game mm. i just enjoyed like looking at like the crowd and just kind of and just seeing like all the different types of people you have like the stats guy that's like that's looking at the box score and just writing down like the play calls and stuff like that mm-hmm. or or just everything that's happened in the game then you have like the kid eating the the the, the his pop his um uh, cracker jacks and like then you have like the loyal like but then you have the father that's like super loyal fan that brought his family to the game. It's just like, I don't know. It's so, it's so diverse. I mean, baseball I, was America's first pastime. Mm-hmm. It really was. I remember learning about that in school, like in the what, late 1800s, I think, uh, when America really started to um, begin, it began to materialize and, and uh, pastimes begin to happen. You know, you had like theme parks, you had like carnivals or like the, whatever and then you had baseball mm-hmm. it was it's always there football yeah. football was never a, 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 as big from the get-go basketball wasn't as big from the get-go baseball from the get-go boom everyone was there well i i think the the thing that probably doesn't really have like especially now like baseball uh like football to an extent like baseball doesn't really have like like they don't really market their players that well like there's not really like like that one guy that everyone. Well, I guess now, like with the Dodgers, you have Mookie Betts. Like everyone's talking about him. 
I didn't know because that. he's like such an incredible baseball player. Just watch watching the highlights of that. I was like, this guy is crazy. This the, guy is crazy good. The first baseball player I think of is Bryce Harper. Yeah, even then, like I wouldn't necessarily like. I don't think he's like a LeBron James or a Tom Brady. Like you, you don't like if I were to put Bryce Hop Bryce Harper on like Time Magazine in his baseball uniform, I'd be like, who's that? <laughs> like. I'm like, it's like if you if you put LeBron James on like like just put up a picture, people would instantly go, oh yeah, he plays basketball, like he's oh, the best name. basketball player to ever play the game. Or if you show uh, Tom Brady, and he's like, oh yeah, he's a quarterback. Like I can't really. I guess you would say like maybe Sammy Sosa was like that, like or Mark McGuire or Barry Bonds, like back in the day. Because of the, the like that was the one thing baseball had going for it was like the the home runs because people just love seeing home runs getting the ball going out of the the stadium because it's like that's fun mm-hmm. to see, but like now it's like baseball is like like yeah teams hit home runs, but it's a little bit more strategic in a way where it's like you you got the ground attacks you got you got um bunt base hits and just like. It's just it's just different, and I don't know. I'll, I'll probably watch more of it, like more baseball next year. It's just the Giants were just really bad this year, and I just mm-hmm. like I was just like whatever. Mm-hmm. But, well, uh, shoot, yeah, this might be a good place to end it. Yeah. Uh, on on an ending note, what you just said about LeBron being the best or being the goat, ever you know, everyone says Jordan's the goat, but. It's Will. It's Will Chamberlain. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know, he does. He, those old time players don't get enough credit simply because they're old and there wasn't as many teams and the talent level wasn't wasn't how it is today. And I can I, I agree with that to an extent, but no one holds more records in the NBA than Wilt Chamberlain. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. no one. I mean. Did he change the game more than anybody? I know I know Michael Jordan had a lot to do with the league softening up. And a lot of people hate me for saying that. Uh, and a lot of people ha- have definitely um, argued against me and say I'm crazy and that I'm, I'm just young and I wasn't around then. But but didn't didn't he didn't wasn't Jordan couldn't get past the bad boy Pistons until they changed the rules. Right. Yeah. Until, yeah they, until they made him, until they true. allowed him to go into the paint, and and they forced teams to reduce the amount of contact in the paint. That's and then a all, very and then good all, point. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Jordan became this, the even more than just a poster boy or or a great player. He became the guy, the NBA player, and he won six. Mm-hmm. And you know, he won, he won two three peats, and he never lost in the finals, and blah blah blah. But there's a good friend of mine that uh, we used to work with. You remember Preston? Yeah, I remember. You remember I remember Preston. Preston. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he. I would, you know, when I was uh, becoming an NBA fan, he, you know, I would say that you know Jordan's the goat, you know, and and anyone who tries to replicate Jordan, or or only the players who try to replicate Jordan can be in the conversation of the goat. And then and then Preston reminded me about or he didn't remind me, he taught me about how Jordan couldn't get past 
bad boy pistons until the league changed the rules. Mm-hmm. It made me scratch my head a little bit, you know, and it made me do my research. Right. So I think I think uh, people romanticize Jordan's career a little too much, and then they kind of, you know, shade over the the late '80s battles with the Pistons. So, yeah, I'll leave on that note that Wilt Chamberlain was the greatest of all time. Uh, and I'll I'll leave on this note, like Jerry West, like he is the logo. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> there's no there's no other league that has a player for their logo. Well, baseball does, right? But is that a real player? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say it's Jackie Robinson. Is it? I'll, no, I'll, I'll have to like fact check that and I'll put it in the description of the podcast. I'm not even sure. Uh, that would be crazy. If it Armin was, but... Killebrew. He is the he is the backdrop. Is. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> no, I mean that kind of might say something. Uh, right. Everyone knows who Jerry West is. Yeah, exactly. Especially, especially now, like Jerry West, the GM. But oh, yeah, um, yeah. I guess I, I guess we'll end it on that. Uh, right. We didn't really talk much about following this this podcast, but I mean, like, it was only an hour long. So yeah, so there's only so much we could talk about. But I still think it was really good. This is a really next good film, pod. Insomnia. Yeah, next film, Insomnia. Uh, if you want to join us in this, well, I guess listen to us and kind of participate in the discussion. You can talk when you're listening in your car and everyone will think you're crazy. Uh, watch Insomnia and, uh, yeah, um, we'll, we'll see you next week. Uh, this is, my name is Marley Silverbrand. And I'm Cameron Avery. And we are out of here. Oh, and go vote, please, please go vote. Thank you.